0: Hello everyone, welcome to Intimate Animation, brought to you by the online animation magazine Squiggly.com. This series covers animation that takes on adult themes of love, relationships, and sex. So steel yourself as there's some frank discussion ahead. So hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Intimate Animation. I'm Ben Mitchell, and joining me is squiggly features writer Laura Beth Cowley. Laura, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Okay. Doing all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to episode one and for all the nice sort of responses we've had so far. There was a slight concern, not a huge one, I think, because we do sort of give our listeners credit to be able to come into something like this with an open mind. But there's a slight concern that maybe some people might be a bit scared off by the subject matter. That doesn't really seem to be the case. I did find I was talking about this new podcast at a local animation meetup here in Bristol, and I had spoken at this meetup before and talked about Squiggly at some length, so this was just a kind of, like, what we've been up to since in the last few months or so. So I mentioned that we just started this new podcast, and I was saying, oh yeah, it's about animation and sex and how that works quite well together, and there was a woman, like, in the front row of this sort of meetup. The only word I can think of to describe the face was her Oh,
1: well, you didn't tell me that. Why?
0: I, well, you know what I didn't ask it was but that was the only sort of basically I think she just sort of visibly had to be, Agassed you know by it. yeah aghast. Well, I never.
1: <laughs> I'd have been awful if I was there. I'd have questioned her until she blushed.
0: I think maybe for some people outside of our sort of circle, our sanctum of, of squiggly audience, maybe it's not that uh, obvious a concept. So in the first episode we spoke with Michaela Pavlatova uh, about a film that's a few years old now called Tram. It's a wonderful piece of work, and if you haven't caught episode one yet, may as well have a listen to it. Episode two, we're talking to Anna Ginsberg, who made a film this year with the Channel 4 scheme Random Acts. Uh, Random Acts is something that we've talked about on the regular Squiggly podcast before, uh, although it's kind of changed form a bit. It's not quite what it once was. I think when we spoke to Lupus back in 2014, maybe... It was basically the sort of replacement entity to bring animation to Channel 4. Channel 4 having once been back in the sort of golden age of UK television animation, a fantastic repository of amazing animated short films. Them days is over, which is unfortunate because you know, they were great. But Random Acts, I think, was a good sort of compromise. The original Random Acts game was a great excuse to get some really, really good filmmakers back on television screens although it's interesting sort of talking to like I know we've spoken to Robert Morgan about you know the sort of difference because he of course made films you know for television you know a long time ago and it was quite a different sort of beast now it was all pre-Vimeo and pre-everything else so it was kind of interesting getting his sort of perspectives on what exactly it is to have a short film on TV in the wee hours are other animators as well I think Chris Shepard had a couple of films Julia Pott had a film So this film that we're going to be talking about in this episode is part of this new version of Random Acts. This film brings together actually quite a few seasoned animators or animators that I think people will be familiar with. There's contributions from Will Anderson, who's uh, one half of White Robot with Ainsley Henderson. Peter Millard, who I think is sort of a darling of the festival circuit at the moment. He makes some... uh, His films are often the sort of talk of festivals. Like, unhappy-happy, things like that. And uh, they kind of have to be seen, I think. Descriptions don't really do them justice. So this is a film called Private Parts. It's directed by Anna Ginsberg. And it's basically, uh, if we just sort of talk about what it is visually, it's largely comprised of talking genitals. Which I kind of feel is sort of strangely untapped. It almost seems like that's the kind of thing they would have been doing like immediately as soon as animation was invented.
1: I feel like they did
0: there is some old like rubber hose stuff where like they've anthropomorphized genitals. I guess maybe because that was like pre-talkies they didn't have them actually sort of talking. Yeah. They, uh, they probably had like the, the title cards you know with the honky tonk piano music playing. I
1: mean it's been used like there's that Spanish condom advert which is like walking talking graffiti vaginas and penises.
0: There's a campaign recently that there was going to be an interview with them on Squiggly and I guess they just sort of never got round to it.
1: Oh, uh, was that the, like, really creepy CGI boob bra thing where the boobs were talking about consent and stuff?
0: No, that was... that was look, I found this because I was looking for that when you described that to me. That was really odd. seen that on TV.
1: That was really weird just because it's like they hadn't sat down and figured out where they were going to put mouths on things.
0: Yeah, so, so the, it, the it, boobs were talking, but, like, it looked like these sort of...
1: It wasn't the boobs that were talking, it was the bra, but it was just these, like, dismembered boobs Tits and a bra talking, but the bra was talking because it was like the lace,
0: right?
1: And it was this kind of weird. Like I know it doesn't matter because it's an advert about boobs, but it was strange because it was like you hadn't figured out the logic of this universe that you'd created because they were like hyper realistic <laughs> as well.
0: <laughs> so you gotta, so you gotta work just, out the mythology. Yeah, like the talking just, boob. Like, sometimes, it'd, information <laughs>
1: sometimes it'd be like you know, like a <laughs> torso with pants on and the belly button would be talking and then sometimes it would be the belt hook and it's like well is it the body or is are they wearing like a coat i don't really
0: lamentable consistency no this was an american campaign it's called project consent and this was much sort of shorter and sweeter like tiny tiny little animations and uh, basically they were quite stylized yet quite explicit renderings of genitals out and about you know, on the town, out at the club, in a bar, that kind of thing, socializing, putting on the Ritz. I don't know. <laughs> I don't How know. How
1: old are you? <laughs> Going to a talk in, having a dance, but only if they have dance cards. What? <laughs> 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 hey, Grandpa. We didn't court.
0: <laughs> and so basically, it's the point where friendliness, I guess, or the flirtatiousness crosses over a line into no, that's inappropriate, that's, you know... I do think that's a quite important issue that has been addressed sort of alarmingly recently, I think, in, a, in the sense that, I don't know, it's kind of like how, you know, it takes someone to kind of make a point of something in a certain public forum first before then it's suddenly okay, and then all of a sudden this whole, to a lot of people, I think, un, or certainly to a lot of guys, sort of unknown world of, like, just inappropriate groping and shit's been going on that we didn't get the memo about to our sisters and our friends and our girlfriends kind of thing. Like, you know, people getting groped on the tube, going out dancing. Someone just comes up and, you know, does something inappropriate that's being addressed in these campaigns. And what the campaign did seem to sort of address, you can look at these videos online if you go into Project Consent, is that the intent is rarely malicious, but the effect can be quite harsh. And I think that that's sort of the, that was one of the prevailing things you got from this campaign, which is that it's not the point that you didn't mean to upset someone or you didn't, or you misread the signals. It's more about like being aware of what the consequences of a misunderstanding could be, that sort of thing. But the stuff that would sort of come up, which sort of like led me onto this campaign, was a lot of newspaper articles that were kind of like, There's a campaign in the States and they were talking vaginas. You won't believe your eyes, that sort of thing. And it wasn't really, like, undermining the message of the campaign, but it was definitely, like, they were taking from it, I think, or milking from it any sort of perceivable shock value there could be. And that notion, I think, that, you know, the world of animation and the world of sexuality... You would never think it would be reconcilable. Well, there you go. And so that sort of kind of flies in the face of everything that you know you and I see and what we're going to be sort of talking about in this series. But it was sort of an interesting glimpse into how perhaps the general public might look at that pairing.
1: What style were they? Was it like two D or C- like realistic like CG?
0: Realistically rendered, but quite stylized designs. CG. Okay. So realistic looking sort of flesh textures, but not particularly photorealistic proportions
1: yeah i guess the only reason why it would shock me or i could imagine it shocking people as if someone like Ardman decided to do like a <laughs> campaign and they were doing it with like clay but like creature comfort penises
0: well let me tell you about the aardman <laughs> campaign um <laughs> that i uh, it was one of my earliest interviews it's one of the weirdest things that lies in my google search history and i'm surprised actually we should have mentioned this for the aardman week last week uh, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever searched was Admin erectile dysfunction uh, which was a campaign that my friend Sam worked on. This was for Bio-Sharing Pharma. It's a series of YouTube videos starring Admin creation Dennis tackling the touching subject of erectile dysfunction. Dysfunctioning. <laughs> Bad uh, oh Dear, not again. What have I done to send him into submission? Vigorous catalogue shopping? Or is it something psychological? This is a chap uh, bemoaning his flaccidity like in bed. Night's sleep to firm things up again? Tomorrow he'll be back to
2: his fine, upstanding self.
0: Please. Now, if you, I don't know how many people will be familiar with Sam Morrison's uh, work, but it's his exact sort of very specific style that he's used for films such as Rocket Science and Grime City PD. And uh, my favorite film of his is called Greetings. It's about a guy who works in a greetings card company and his sort of like, these sort of weird waxing philosophical moments he has. Anywho, this very particular style he has. So these Aardman films are very much in that kind of style. They're not, there's nothing explicitly visual about them, but as you brought it up, there is indeed an Aardman penis campaign. So for this film, it's sort of focused on snippets of conversation. Like we were talking in the last episode of the regular podcast about like how that whole thing that Creature Comfort set in motion about like isolating conversational audio and setting it to something visual, the different ways you can do that and have that be inventive still. So we had that awful like shopping center ad, which was literally just taking people talking about the banalities of a day of shopping, and they just had animals lip sync to that whereas you know you get something that actually takes the audio and finds a sort of clever visual concept to set it against um, something that makes sense something that can be playful something that imbues what you're hearing with a certain level of wit or insight so this is definitely sort of in that kind of mold it's observations people are making and ruminations and commentaries on themselves and you know uh, how they sort of like look at other people like this it's interesting the sort of perspectives of the guys like there are two penises talking i mean it's two guys talking but you know sort of set to these penises that are having this chat about you know how one person likes a certain thing and another person dislikes it or rather one person dislikes something and the other person is is indifferent to it he's just happy to sort of be there you know (laughs) what i do feel this this film addresses is the way that animation can handle a concept better than live action has been known to. And Channel 4, at the moment, certainly of late, has been responsible for some dire, quote-unquote, educational programming. Which is just It sort of harkens back to the days of, like, Channel 4 in the 90s, where it's just like, how can we get people to get their bits out and justify it as being, you know, showable on TV? And you get these very sort of, like, bizarre childlike concepts of... You know, it's a dating show, it's like Blind Date, but instead of, you know, asking them questions, you're evaluating them on what the state of their genitals are, or their bottoms, or their, you know, various other bits, and then, you know, save the face till last. And the imbecilic justification of it, that they worm out of all of the participants, is that oh yeah, no, because if you're seeing someone naked for the first time, you're getting to know the real them. It strips away any superficiality
1: it completely focuses on, on... Yeah, so the
0: logic is, like, if you're seeing someone without the superficiality of their clothes and just judging them on the, their body types, you're not being superficial, which is how a child would rationalise that. But the one that was even worse was a few months ago, and this was that review that I I thought was wonderful. Uh, it was a review in The Guardian of this show, and so I I caught a little bit of it when it was repeated just to see if it was as bad as the review made it out to be. And it was like this quote-unquote social experiment which is one of those phrases that has now just become synonymous with utter redundancy and nothing is ever sort of learned from it like that but if there's something sort of gimmicky or something sort of that could potentially go viral about it and this was a social experiment about like what happens when we strip away all our material possessions could be a kernel of something in there there could be a, a kernel of some kind of psychological insight. What will we do if we take, you know, a month without our internet, our phones, our whatever, everything that we've been sort of conditioned to live with now. But in this show, the focus was entirely on the first, like, 24 hours when they've been stripped of, like, literally their clothes, which is sort of a point too far and unnecessary, and there's nothing really to be learned from that other than I would quite like to be wearing clothes during the day. So they spend about an hour on this group of participating millennials who are just sort of like sitting around their bare apartments, completely naked, and nothing is being learned or achieved. It's just like an excuse to point cameras at young naked people. So when you see something that's animated take on any any sort of subject matter, it, it can be a lot more sophisticated, I think. And I think this film is quite a good example of that. I think to a lot of people who would watch the Naked Dating show, the maybe the message of it or the the point of it might be a little lost because it's sort of there's an element of it structurally. It's not a narrative film, it's a you know it's an artistic film, I think, in some respects. But also an informational film, but you have to go into it, I think, with a certain degree of A open mindedness and B emotional maturity to actually get what the film is sort of about and what it's saying. And I think that animation definitely you can construct a film with animation in a way like that much better than I think you ever sort of could doing it the live-action route.
1: Well, there's lots of films that are around the theme of animation, so there's that orgasm film by Roof. There was another one that I saw a while ago, which was called, I forget what it's called, but it was about, like, what it is to be a woman and what you would... It basically asked the question to a selection of girls, like, what would be different if you were a guy... And how would you act if you're a guy and people would give answers like, oh, I just sleep with loads of women, I just wouldn't give a crap. I would just do whatever and I wouldn't think about the consequences because if I'm a woman and I do that, I have to think, you know, I might, you know, get pregnant or whatever and then I have to deal with that. But if I'm a guy, I don't have to worry about anything as long as I wear protection. And things like I wouldn't have a period and stuff. And they're live action but then they're animated over the top. Right, yeah. And that's quite nice. I think this, in my head, is the most traditional, if there is a traditional way of sharing a sex animation, this is the most traditional way of going about making a film about sex is to do a kind of interview and in anime over the top of people talking using different styles and stuff. Like, that's why I find uh, Ruth's orgasm film quite interesting because it gives visualization to something that, when you ask a woman about that, every woman will give you a completely different answer, Where with a male orgasm, it's quite matter-of-fact In a
0: sense, the film that you're talking about, this is called Little Deaths it's by Ruth Linkford, and there's a feature on it from quite a long time ago up on Squiggly but I do believe it's online now in full and I actually remember from that that the male perspectives were also quite varied. I think that certainly, you know, without thinking much about it, the sort of male end of the experience is fairly (laughs) samey But I think in the sort of situation of, like, really being asked to to give it some thought about, like, what exactly goes through your mind, what the experience really is like, maybe it was just the particular sort of, like, cross-section of guys that Ruth approached for this documentary, but it did seem like there was quite a bit of variety. But it was very interesting, as a guy, to hear the sort of perspectives of it, you know, and I know that we've sort of spoken with Signe Bauman since a couple of times and she was one of the participants and and like hers is one of my favorites is that she um when she's having an orgasm she pictures a very particular street in uh, Riga that I think kind of highlights just the sort of range of of you know human reactions and responses and sort of things like things you just wouldn't remotely expect someone to come out with
1: the only issue I'd had with this film was that well not an issue with the film itself at all it was the people that were interviewed there's a there's a couple of women in it that I'm slightly concerned about from a personal point of view one of which like about like trimming off all your hair obviously whatever you want to do with your own body is completely up to you and hair is whatever it is to whatever people but I have a problem when people do it for not even for their partner but for like mysterious men they meet in the night.
0: I think a lot of these things they start off sort of vaguely fetishy and then they become status quo and I remember that transition that was sort of just around the time I was sort of finishing like high school and going into college that was sort of that turning point where it just sort of became the societal norm that everything was shaved off. For me there's a certain nostalgia factor about the good old age. <laughs> So quite a sort of, it's a very short film, it's only a few minutes long, but it's a quite a lot of ground covered in the sense of you know there's um, a lot of points raised and it's sort of nice to look at, you know, which I think is a, always a plus in this business of animation, that is sort of a big part of the point. This film will be playing at the Encounters Short Film and Animation Festival at the end of this month here in Bristol as part of their Late Lounge screening on Friday night. So there'll be more info on that uh, at the end of the podcast. In the meantime, why don't we hear from this episode's guest, Anna Ginsberg, director of Private Parts.
2: I've always been pretty interested in animated documentary. I did a super, super short film in 2012 called Living With Depression, Mm -hmm. um, which was my last piece at Encounters. So it was quite a while ago. It was four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I also wrote my dissertation on animated documentary, because I feel like as a genre, it has quite a lot of power in expressing and evoking empathy in real people through kind of like universally accessible visuals, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, in a way that talking heads perhaps don't. Mm. And also kind of bringing subjects to the forefront that perhaps are quite uh, difficult And people may not want to be filmed talking about. So I did that. That was featured in Encounters. That people reacted really, really well to that. Even though it was only sixty, no, it was ninety seconds, I think. And then, yeah, I had the idea for Private Parts in 2014, and it was quite. It took quite a while to gather all the sound for that project because I was working on other things, doing more commercial work at the same time. But then when in 2015 so this time last year channel 4 and it's nice that came and said have you got anything that you'd like to make because it's nice that I have kind of been supportive of me for years mm-hmm. i'd already got quite a succinct sound edit because i'd been doing interviews for kind of two years i'd interviewed about 40 people so i already had to, like at that point there was like a 5 minute edit but then i cut it down to fit into the into the random acts format mm-hmm. And yeah, it was quite a quick process because it was quite a... I'd already done a pitch for it. I'd already kind of got all, that, all the material together for it. So it was just getting sign-off from them to make the piece. Once I'd got a sign-off, I had five weeks to animate the whole film and I had to approach all these people that I'd kind of made connections with over the last three years in London, thinking that they'd all be like too busy or disinterested because it had such a tiny budget but they bought every single one of them uh wanted to do it which was like incredibly humbling and just like a really lovely because it's such a collaboration in terms of voices it Mm. kind of worked as long as i made a couple visual rules in terms of like color palette and process Like, so it was all Mm hand-drawn. But after that, it was just like, yeah, just set up a Dropbox and kind of, I animated about half the film and then half the film, so like a minute 20 or something, was given out to all these creatives that I, I, like, absolutely love,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, which was, like, lovely.
0: Felt like a really
2: perfect project to collaborate on, you know?
0: Yeah. What sort of determined the people that you approached, like, Was it that you were familiar with the kind of design style they'd bring to it?
2: Yeah, so so most of them I'd worked with before Mm -hmm. in some capacity. So I did a rotoscoped video for Bombay Bicycle Club called Carry Me, which we had a really quick, I think it's a bit shonky, because we had a really quick turnaround on it. But through that job, I worked with loads of drawn people um, who I really liked. And then also for Moth, I'd worked for Moth before. Mark Prendergast, um, I've always been a massive fan of. He's the guy who does the kind of spray paint one of the, of the mm. Rubik's Cube vagina. He did, wow. he did that section. So it was mainly people that I'd already had email correspondence with. Mm. Or there were people like um, Peter Millard. He brought a really different feel because he was the only one who did it on paper, which was like, it was nice. To, and right. he had a really young voice. Uh-huh. So it kind of was really appropriate because he was working with the voice of like a 13-year-old. And you know, he's got that really childish approach.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So he was perfect for that.
0: So when you had the sort of audio determined, was it ultimately up to you as far as what kind of visual approach they would take or were they given a bit more sort of free reign to interpret it?
2: Because the overall budget was two grand for the whole thing, Mm -hmm. so I was able to pay people like 300 quid or something, I thought it would be a bit outrageous to give them too many constraints, Mm -hmm. and I also felt like it would work, as long as there was a few rules, it would work if people had (coughs) brought their own styles to the piece, as long as it was 2D Mm hand-drawn. So people were given complete creative freedom. There was like two rounds of design feedback that I gave to each of the people. So like with Will, for example, you know, Will Anderson does the bit, which is the kind of more old voice where the the pubes grow Uh as she's talking about like the history of feminism it's quite obviously him because he designs the vagina like a bit more like a, a bird uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so like <laughs> there was like a bit of feedback because he kept doing the i don't want to be too uh, x, x x about this but he kept doing <gasps> the lips of the vagina too much like a beak so there was a few rounds of feedback with him. Um, the only other thing was if you were working on Photoshop, I suggested a few brushes and I also did a colour palette. Mm-hmm. So, other than that, it was pretty much creative freedom.
0: I guess, as far as like the content of the film itself, was this sort of something that you had wanted? Because you said you had the idea a few years ago. Yeah. What was it about this particular subject matter that was important to you?
2: Yeah. So, I returned to London. I'd been in a relationship for a long time and then was newly single. And a lot of my peers, my female friends in their early 20s, were kind of struggling sexually in terms of... A lot of them had never had an orgasm with a sexual partner. And I found this a revelation. And Mm. I also found it deeply sad Mm. um, that... There was something in terms of the way they saw their own bodies or their inability to be relaxed with a sexual partner, basically, or even their inability to masturbate and get to know their own bodies. I felt like all of these things had come from somewhere Mm -hmm. and were leading to bad sex or not bad sex, but, but they were limiting sex for everyone if that makes Mm. sense. So there was a lot of boys who were struggling with similar things um, and feeling like in some ways they were not performing Mm. when actually a lot of it was in the women's heads or something to do with shame surrounding the issue of masturbation. Mm. And and it was just really interesting. I mean, I've never felt these things, but partly I think it's because of my context. So... Mm. I was brought up by like a lesbian single mum who's also like a militant feminist, but I also feel like, you know, sexual empowerment and sexual liberation and sexual pleasure is a huge aspect of our lives. You should be able to talk about more freely if you want to, you know, especially with your sexual partner. So it's kind of just getting the conversation started um, in some respects.
0: Yeah, I've just been sort of reading quite a bit and you never know how much of it is actually sort of statistically sound or whether it's just something people kind of came up with. But like people's, younger people's attitude towards sex and sort of the difference, like in millennials, for example, how there's almost kind of a quieter, less enthusiastic attitude toward it.
2: Oh, interesting. Interesting. Really interesting, and maybe
0: there's something to do with like as simple as like app culture or the way that like yeah. everything we kind of need is right in front of us. Whereas people sort of my sort of age, you know, yeah. where there wasn't as much stuff else yeah, going yeah, on. Okay. So there was a lot more of a pursuit in that yeah. respect. Yeah, just
2: kind of less accessible content, basically. Mm. Yeah, because I think all of that can lead you to be more introverted than you'd otherwise be because it's possible to be and still learn or be satisfied in some level, you know? Yeah. But yeah, no, porn was something that I kind of avoided in private parts because loads of people touched on it, but I felt like it could have been its own film.
0: Yeah. Because
2: it's such a vast subject in itself. But no, it was really interesting. Some of what the men said was about, without me kind of saying, oh, I think porn is negative, which I'm not sure if I do, loads of the men were saying that they were trying to give it up because they were trying to reclaim their own sexuality Mm. in some way, which I found really interesting. But I think that that could be its own self-contained episode.
0: Yeah, it's such a separate beast.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. To the
0: realities of sexuality.
2: Yeah, agreed.
0: As far as this film goes with Random Acts, as it was coming together, did they have any say or involvement in what was in it or we left alone?
2: Yeah, good question. They were actually really good Mm -hmm. in terms of that. And I'd already got such an extensive treatment that once I got a sign-off, I was kind of left to my own devices, um, which was great.
0: Excellent. Yeah. So pretty much the version of it is is the version that you had hoped to put together then.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: What sort of responses has the film gotten?
2: One thing I have noticed is I've been so I've been to Finland for a festival and I've been to Annecy with it. Mm-hmm. It's got great reactions in the UK, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like just people emailing and saying teachers even emailing and saying they'd want it to be in the syllabus which like it will never be (laughs) but yeah it's a nice idea people in Europe have been really really sweet about it but have also said that it's so British it's so like London Mm. um, and have struggled a bit with all the dialects or well it's not even or even really dialects, it's just strong accents. Mm. So there's been times in the cinema where <laughs> things that have gone down really well in the UK have kind of got quite like a, a well, not really got a laugh, you know, right. because, <laughs> because a lot's lost. I think um, it would benefit from subtitles and I've, I've been adding subtitles at the moment for, like, Moscow and a couple other festivals. But, no, I think, I think as well, like, I've got, I, got, I got an email from a young girl who has started a feminist group at her secondary school that boys attend as well, mm-hmm. and she screened it, and it got a really good reaction, which is kind of, like, my aim. It, you know, it was more to get young people to kind of relax a bit you know, and to have conversations. So that made me really happy when I got that message from her. Mm. Um, And I thought it was super cool that it was a feminist group that the boys Mm. were involved with as well. Yeah. In like a state school in Birmingham, (laughs) which is really cool. I mean, I'm just happy it's got so many hits, to be honest, like compared to the other Random Acts, it's done quite well in terms of views. Um, So people must be sharing it. You
0: know? I think it's it's one of those subjects that people do, even though they may not necessarily say it out loud. They do kind of wish for, like you know, there's a certain I think yeah. gap in the market.
2: Yeah, 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 sure.
0: But then it's whether you know you can get people to watch it for whatever reason. But you've gotten people to watch it, which is good.
2: Yeah, I think that's part of it. It's like yeah, you know, sex cells and talking vaginas and penises gets people talking. But I don't really mind if that's why they kind of approach it, you know, because it's like I do think the message is uplifting and positive, you know, it's not mm-hmm. kind of... I feel like it's got quite a sweet overall atmosphere mm-hmm. rather than kind of crude, you know?
0: Yeah. And even the, the sort of the conversational element to it being sort of quite informal. Yeah. Like you have the two guys with sort of differing opinions of, yeah. you know, like <laughs> grooming, I suppose. Um yeah. And uh, that's kind of—I mean—that's not like a horrifyingly crass conversation. It's fairly, you know, accessible. I think. Yeah. And you yeah. know, the one guy is very lacy fair about it, um, <laughs> yeah. and the other—it's a bit of an issue. But it was it, that's little things like that. I think are quite good for giving people an idea of you know what different perspectives are of it of this type of subject.
2: Yeah, those guys. Those guys were so great. Man. They were mm. so so great. Those two. They're kind of in my mind. Yeah, they are like the stars. Mm -hmm. but it was quite interesting as well in terms of when I was gathering voice recordings Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and I was talking to all these girls who had all these issues about their bodies or about being unable to climax or whatever and I was desperate to find like a prick I was looking for like Mm. a nasty man (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I was I was actually Mm. struggling like the people who I was approaching were, were kind of old friends that I'd gone to school with who I thought might have kind of like a you know, chauvinistic mm. mindset. And then actually, they were all really, really advocators for female sexual pleasure, which was like kind of heartening, you mm. know, something great that came out of the process. So there's these... T- the, the other youngest people in the film are 15... And um, they're that pair who end the film. So they're like sitting on the cars Mm -hmm. um, and they're two two boys again. And I met them playing basketball in Brixton in South London where I live, Mm -hmm. just like on the street. And the most kind of like dark bit in the whole film is when one of them says, if she's not shaven, I tell her to put her clothes back on.
0: Right.
2: Yeah, and mm-hmm. and and that was like the darkest bit. But even those two have like a redeeming moment at the end where they say, "Just do what you want to do, girls. Like, don't get depressed." They they end up talking to me about kind of like um, self harm on like Tumblr and mm-hmm. like and like how mm-hmm. widespread kind of depression is in like their female friends and like self harm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they end up doing a speech at that, which is the end of the film, which kind of is it's quite hard to understand because of their accents, but they're saying, yeah, don't get depressed. Just do what you want to do. Like look after yourself. Like mm. basically saying, you know, if you want to masturbate and touch yourself, go for it. Like it will make you happy.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then, and then it kind of ends with that one being yeah. like, But if you do feel lonely, give me a call. Like, <laughs> like you know, which was like really, they kind of redeemed themselves in the end, you know, and it's almost Mm. like I don't blame you for like only wanting shaved vaginas if you're 15 because you've been watching so much porn and you're so young, like, Mm. do you know what I mean? So actually that side of it was like lovely in terms of research, like actually the reason why girls are feeling the way their feet or women are feeling the way they're feeling is kind of like perhaps a history of sexism in society and the media and, like, expectations that are kind of pushed onto all of us, Hmm. unrealistic expectations to do with what being a woman is and what it should be. But it's not coming from men to women necessarily, if that makes sense, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: which I I found really uplifting.
0: Yeah, it's it's sort of – there's a kind of men versus men and women versus women element of – The culture of everything i found i remember when i was sort of 14 and just feeling like uh, i can't read any more issues of maxim or fhm like it's this is like designed to make me feel bad about myself so i kind of put those down and never really looked at them again but magazines aimed toward women by women kind of had the same agenda You'd sort Adrian's. of pick up, you'd leaf through and be like, oh, my God, this is just telling this person mm. who paid for this magazine all of these things they're doing wrong that, as a man, I would never give a shit about. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: so it's- I almost
2: feel like those type of magazines should have, like, warnings on. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. could cause body issues or, like, anorexia or lack of, you know what I mean? It's like, I completely agree.
0: I suppose it's why, like, there are certain areas of literature that will always be sort of indefatigable, like, how to be a better person, how to, yeah. you know, actualize your manifestation or whatever, yeah. like, that, that or <laughs> seminar speakers, yeah. like, people who, like, tell guys how to pick up women and things like that. Yeah. I think there will always be a certain element of human psychology, which is, can someone tell me how to do better?
2: Yeah, there'll always be a market for yeah. that type of kind of self-help. Agreed. Um, but it often has the complete opposite effect, I think.
0: Mm. But then they'll buy the next book in the series. Yeah,
2: you yeah, know? yeah. yeah. So,
0: yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah, whenever there's something that just presents things positively, I think I always feel a little more heartened. You know? Yeah.
2: Um, oh, I'm glad, very glad to hear it. I agree.
0: Thank you to Anna Ginsberg, director of Private Parts. And if you haven't yet caught it, you might want to see the film on the big screen. At this year's Encounters Short Film and Animation Festival, it will be playing at the Watershed here in Bristol Friday 23rd of September at 9pm for the Encounters screening Late Lounge XX Extra. Uh, The Late Lounge is always a sort of personal highlight of the Encounters Festival for me. It's where they show all their really, really f***ed up films. (laughs) This actually is not particularly sort of horrific or nightmarish as a lot of the Late Lounge films have been known to be. But at any rate, that's where it will be playing next. It will also be playing in the Ottawa Festival, if you happen to be there, that same week in Short Film Competition 2. That'll take place Thursday, September 22nd at 3pm and Sunday, September 25th at 1pm at the Bytown Cinema. And you can learn more about Anna Ginsberg's work at annaginsberg.co.uk. And she's on Twitter at Anna Ginsburg. Other stuff you might want to check out uh, in the interim this week, we have an interview with Chloe Allier who is a uh, French-born, I believe, Belgium-based filmmaker. Uh, I think someone to really watch out for. I saw her film, Two Nuances at Stuttgart, where it won an award. And it's this lovely film about loving women. It's sort of a warts and all kind of thing, but the puppetry approach is really funny, I think. The way that she sort of constructed this film is uh, really nicely done. So it's a film to kind of keep your eyes open for. I don't think it's online yet, but you can learn more on Squiggly. Look for Chloe Allier. I just thought that would be worth a mention because it's sort of apropos for the theme of this particular it's, series.
1: It's slightly sexy.
0: There's Well, there's sexual elements to it. I mean, that's always sort of part and parcel of those sort of reasons. Basically, it's a sort of list of reasons why one loves women, I guess.
1: It's a nice use of like found object animation as well, which I always yeah. like.
0: That's always a good sort of thing in stop motion, I think. But it's certainly not titillation, but it's, it's just funny. It's interesting and it's, it's quite sweet, I thought. And, and relatable, I think, you know, to, to anyone who loves women. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben L. Mitchell, and you can follow Laura at LB Cowley.
1: And if you want to send me anything through Twitter, please do, as long as it's not like actual hentai or something. But do, if you see any videos that you like, you think we should talk about, or that we should see, please send me more animations for my
0: collection. And of course, Squiggly itself is on Twitter at squiggly. The website is squiggly.com. So thanks for listening, everyone. I've been Ben Mitchell.
1: And I've been Laura Beth Cowley. And we'll see you again soon.